Hi kids, do you like violence? Well, I'm sure if you listened to our last podcast, it might have felt like someone was trying to stick nine-inch nails through each one of your eyelids, but I promise you we're going to make up for it today. Welcome to the Regulators Podcast. My name is Waldo. I am your host. Thank you for joining us. We got a lot to get into today. Uh, We are going to do a giveaway, so we have some stuff in the prize box and we are going to pull a winner and let someone kind of take their choice of a whole bunch of things that we have for giveaways right now. Um, Before we get to that, we are going to talk about a few different things. One of our main topics today is our first preview into the 2021 fantasy football season. So obviously as it gets closer to kickoff in September as the final roster transactions have been made and God willing, most people have made it through uninjured, um, through preseason and and things like that, then we'll have obviously a lot more takes going into fantasy. But there are people who draft early, there are people who start to put their draft boards together and things like that. So we just wanted to cover kind of some different fantasy information. But before we get into all of that, I just want to say thank you Again, from the bottom of my heart, I know that you guys have tons of options out there when you can listen to podcasts, especially as it relates to sports and football podcasts. Everybody's got one out there. So with all the content out there, I really appreciate not only you guys who are listening to us, but especially the fans on Twitter. There's so many people that engage with us every single week and are constantly DMing us topics, things they want to hear on the show, just interacting. And that's our goal is really to give back to you guys, not just through the prizes, but to create a show that's something you actually want to listen to. So it's never lost on me, and I definitely really appreciate it. I mean, Football is something for me that has always, it's grown relationships throughout my life and uh, friendships and just things that I will always have and, and carry with me the entire direction of my life has happened because of football and some of the relationships I've made surrounding football. So speaking of that, you know, I actually had a very interesting exchange this past weekend Um I was in my hometown of Vero Beach, Florida, and if you're ever in Vero Beach, Florida, uh, my buddy Johnny has a bar over on the beach side. It's called Solmar Cocktails, and it's just an awesome, awesome place to go, and I I feel like uh, I'm Billy Joel in a song saying John at the bar is a friend of mine because literally he is, but a uh, great place to have some really amazing cocktails and really chill vibe, but... This isn't a commercial for them, just kind of setting the scene for uh, what happened to me this weekend. So I was at the bar, and a couple of guys next to me started talking about football, and one was a Falcons fan, one was a Jaguars fan, and they started talking about things. And so naturally, I joined in on the conversation, and it's it's always amazing to me, even if you're a fan of a completely different team, the conversations that you can strike up with perfect strangers over football and how it bonds people and Uh, brings them together and and stuff like that. So we were having this really interesting conversation about contracts and the nature of the way they're structured and how you can smartly do things and still stay under the cap and things like that. And I don't even remember exactly what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was uh, the Buccaneers and Patriots game 
that's coming up this year. And obviously that's going to be a huge, huge game. Everyone's excited for that. The ticket sales are already reflecting that. It's going to be the hottest ticket uh, in the Boston area to try to get uh, a ticket to see Tommy, you know, return to Foxborough. And there's obviously going to be a a warm welcome for him. I'm sure they'll have something special planned. But what was interesting about the conversation that I was having with the guys at the bar is one was saying that, uh, you know, he thinks Tom Brady is actually going to get booed in that stadium. And we were talking about the Patriots, and all of a sudden we hear down at the other end of the bar is, what about the Patriots? And sure, shit, you know, there's a Patriots fan sitting down at the end of the bar. So this is where the story gets really interesting. So we end up uh, having a conversation, the four of us, about football and everything. And the one guy reaches his hand out and he says, oh, I'm Ken. And he introduces himself to me. And the second that I shook his hand, I had a flashback. And I swear to God, and Ken, if you're listening to this, because the cool thing about Ken is I told him about my podcast, and he jumped on immediately, subscribed. So, Ken, I hope you're listening to this. So, what was funny is we all talked about football and everything, but I, I had this eerie feeling about Ken, and I was pretty sure I knew what it was. So, Ken was there with his wife, and uh, they both seemed really nice, really cool people, and I started flashing back to where I know Ken from. Now, I am 98% sure that this is accurate, that this is the same guy. But I can't be sure until Ken confirms this. So, Ken, if you're listening, you tell me if I'm dead on. So, when Ken introduced me to his wife, I realized where I knew Ken from. But the last time I met Ken was about 10 years ago, at least... And we were at a different bar. I was with my buddy, my buddy Johnny. We were not the Johnny that owns this bar, another Johnny. There's a lot of Johns out there. But anyways, I'm with my buddy at this bar, and there's this group of people at the next table. And they're laughing and carrying on. We're doing our own thing, carrying on. And then they invited us over to have drinks with them and, and join their party. So we were like, cool, yeah, sure, that's fine. And when we were there, we started meeting the people around the table. So the guy who in, uh, invited us over, his name was Bob. And uh, I actually remember his last name too, but I won't say it on the air. So Bob was a really cool guy. And uh, he had a cigar and he starts introducing me to his friends around the table. He introduces me to his friend Ken. And Ken's girlfriend slash whoever she was, um, and her name was Barbie. And that is the only reason that I remember this son of a bitch is because you don't forget Ken and Barbie, like Ken and Barbie. Now, the wife that he introduced me to at the bar this past weekend was not named Barbie, which is why I didn't out him or I didn't say anything because I don't know. Maybe it's the same person and they were playing a joke on me that, you know, her name was Barbie when it really wasn't. Or maybe that was somebody he was with 10 years ago, but I'm not going to bring up drama. I don't know. But long story short, we all carried on, and they were nice enough to uh, pick up our drinks. My buddy and I had had a few drinks, and they were like, oh, I'll put it on our tab. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And they were like, what are you guys doing now? We said, oh, we're going to go to this other bar that's a couple doors down. And we go to the next bar, and we're having drinks and stuff. And I go over by the bar, and the bartender says, hey... 
uh, this guy, Bob, says, you know, you're going to pick up his drink. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, go ahead. Put it on my tab. You know, whatever. And I thought, you know, they were just getting a drink or two. At the end of the night, my buddy and I go to pay the tab. Everybody had left. We were kind of like the last ones there. The bar tab was like $600. Now, at the time, I mean, God, I was a young 20-something-year-old, like, you know, working in a warehouse somewhere. I didn't have a lot of money. Um, But I was like, holy shit, you know, these guys just ran up a bar tab. And to these guys, in, in fairness, you know, it probably seemed like no money to them. I'm sure their bar tab at the first place they were at was even more than that. But... You know, we we had a fun night. It was what it was. And then I left and I haven't thought about these people in 10 years. And then sure as shit, I'm at the bar and I hear, what about the Patriots? And then I go down we start talking to these guys. And this guy says, my name's Ken. And when he shook my hand, I was like, son of a bitch. That's $500 bar tab Ken. I'm like, I know exactly who you are. So it's funny how the different ways that life takes you and and how you reconnect with people sports related or not but ken i'm 99 percent sure that's you you son of a bitch um but you know no hard feelings it's all good it wasn't even ken who was putting the drinks on the tab it was his buddy um i mean maybe all of them were i don't know still a fun night but um so anyways ken started an interesting conversation with us about brady and about uh his reception in New England, and I agree with what Ken says, is that I, I don't think Brady gets booed in that stadium. I, I was very interested to hear other people say that they think that the Patriots fans are going to turn on him. Now, make no mistake, Patriots fans have booed Tom Brady before in the past, and he's had games, you know, a few years ago where he all of a sudden looked flat, and he got booed by his own fans, but that's really, really rare, and it was in a heat of the moment thing where, and it's kind of like you can pick on your kid brother, but nobody else can. But I do not, in any way, shape, or form, see Tom Brady being booed in that stadium. I think that, uh, and Ken actually made this interesting point too. Is uh, the other gentleman that we were having the conversation with was saying how we've talked about before on this show. Kids in Boston are spoiled, right? If you're under 25 years old, like all you've ever known is winning. Like you don't you don't understand that this is not how it always goes. This is this is not normal for you. You've never seen losing seasons. You don't understand that. And so uh, one of the points that was made was that well, those will be you know the kids that are booing him and and stuff like that. But as Ken pointed out, these tickets are going to be thousands of dollars a piece. Those kids aren't going to that game. It's it's going to be the old school people, the the real like OG Patriots fans who remember the losing seasons and who are appreciative of everything Tom did. And those are going to be the people who um, are going to be at that game and they're going to give him a very, very warm welcome. And I agree. But it's still going to be an amazing game. And we all talked about a lot of different stuff uh, about football and the different things coming up into the season, including obviously fantasy football. So that's where we want to take the show today. So one of the things that I want to look at is ESPN. If you're in an ESPN standard league, and yes, I get it. Some people are on NFL.com, Yahoo, everybody uses different point systems and stuff. But ESPN, whether you hate or love their platform for lack of 
better word, they, they are kind of the standard as far as uh, looking at points and seeing where people rank. Like if you're going to compare things objectively, a good place to start is with the ESPN point system, right? And then you can always go from there. So what I was looking at this past week was ESPN, you can actually go on now and you can look at their projections for the 2021 season. So you can look at where they think each player, each position is going to finish, how many points they're going to average a game, etc. And it's interesting because you can look at it and you can tell that some players they feel are going to average more points a game, but they literally are anticipating them missing a game or two due to injury or something else. Um, So I want to walk through the ESPN projections that they have And then I want to give you my own thoughts. Now, if you listen to this show, you know that one thing we have not done that we will never do is NFL power rankings. It's completely subjective. It's complete bullshit. And it's not the kind of thing that we get into on this show. But if you listen to this show, you also know that we love numbers. I'm a numbers person. I live and die by the numbers. And fantasy football is something that you can objectively measure. You can look at a running back and say, okay, he gets nine points a game in standard format. This one gets seven. You can look at the defenses they face and how many uh, opposing points they are allowing to running backs or tight ends or wide receivers. So it's a very finite thing that you can actually objectively measure. So that is the reason why, you know, I like going through a lot of this fantasy stuff and and seeing where uh, the stats are and and different things like that, comparing them to last year and things like that. But I would also love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So in light of that, I'd like to let you know that this Saturday we will be doing another live Twitter space. It will be myself. I know that Jason Sarney will be joining us, and I'm hoping to have Antoine Staley on as usual, schedule permitting. And you guys, please come join us. It's a live question and answer show. And this will probably be one of our more interactive shows because I want to hear your fantasy questions for myself and the guys. I want to hear your thoughts and opinions, even on everything that we're going to discuss today, whether you agree, whether you think that we're batshit crazy all of it. So bring it to the Twitter live space. It'll be this Saturday. We'll be doing it at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And all you have to do is log on to your mobile app on Twitter. And at the top of your news feed, you should see our icon circled in purple after 8 p.m. Eastern when we go live. So look forward to doing that with you guys as always. And we'll see uh, what other special guests we can get to stop by. But Let's get into the ESPN projections. So I pulled the ESPN projections for quarterback for their top 10 uh, quarterbacks that they think this year are going to have the most points in fantasy. Now remember, this isn't real life. This doesn't mean that this person's going to win the Super Bowl or that these teams are going to make the playoffs. This is only for pure fantasy value. So ESPN's projected top 10 quarterbacks are in this order. Tied for first, you have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm okay with this. If you actually look in ESPN's standard scoring format last year, Josh Allen actually scored more points than Patrick Mahomes. So 
but I mean they're they're one A one B, and I I know it sounds crazy to think that you know Patrick Mahomes, you know how how could he not be? Remember, it's not real life; it's fantasy value. So you have to look at who's scoring more points, why, who is got a big lead early and doesn't need to throw it as much. Who has less of a running game? There are so many factors that go into this, but remember, it's fantasy. And if you look at last year, Josh Allen outscored Patrick Mahomes as a fantasy quarterback in standard ESPN scoring. Now, if you're going to come at me with these two quarterback leagues with 600-point bonuses for weird things, like, I, I don't have time for that shit. Let's stay on planet Earth. So I think having Allen and Mahomes... Both tied for first place, I think, is a fair analysis by ESPN, which their entire quarterback projection, I think, in general, is pretty safe. It's when they get into the other positions that we'll discuss that I think they got off the range a little bit. But Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes tied for first. And then at third, they have Kyler Murray. Now, it's not a huge stretch here. Kyler Murray last year finished fifth in scoring among quarterbacks. So, but he's got another year under his belt. Um, you know, they think that he's going to be top three fantasy. I could see it. It's it's not anything completely out of the realm of possibility. Where I think there might be some issue there is with a couple of people that are further down the list, but we'll talk about why I think they dropped them as we get to them. So at number four, they have Dak Prescott. I think this is a, a, a dead-on uh, spot for Dak Prescott. People, I think, forget that before he went down, he was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards. Now, granted, was he going to keep that pace up the entire season? Who knows? Their defense was garbage enough that he could have had to throw for that many yards throughout the entire season. Now, we saw what the Cowboys did this year in the draft. They went defense, 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 defense. Like, they're not fucking around. They got rid of Mike Nolan, and they are going to try to overhaul that defense because they know that if Dak Prescott is throwing for 400 yards a game and four or five touchdowns and they're still losing like that's a major problem so I like Dak Prescott at four um the key is is how much more improved is that defense because from a fantasy perspective you want the defense to not be great because again that means they're playing from behind a lot and they have to throw the ball but if that defense is vastly improved then maybe the play calling goes a little bit different. But I like four for Prescott. Now, at number five, ESPN has Lamar Jackson at number five. Now, what's interesting about that is that's four spots higher than where he finished last year. So he actually finished ninth last year. Now, I know that each year it seems people tend to predict that teams have figured out Lamar Jackson and they're just a rushing team and they're not going to be able to stop him and there always looks like a couple of games where he gets bottled up or he's frustrated and then all of a sudden he has 140 rushing yards in a game and you can't sleep on that that's one of the things that Allen has as well that puts him up there with Mahomes is add to his ability 
to chuck the ball down the field and be accurate the way he was last year, his running threat is still better than a lot of quarterbacks. You look at the amount of rushing touchdowns that Josh Allen has had since he's come into the league, and that's why he gets kicked up in that fantasy value. And that's why Jackson is right around five, is he always has that threat to punch it in himself, and not only the touchdowns, but the rushing yards. You know the rushing yards are going to come. So I'm okay with Lamar Jackson at five, especially when you look at the year before, I think it was 2019, where he was far and away not only the best quarterback, but he was the top scorer. And it, and it wasn't even close. I mean, it was like having a running back and a quarterback on your team. So I think the thought here is that it's going to be somewhere between his 2019 and his 2020 season. Now at six, they have Tom Brady. Listen, there is no reason to think that Tom is going to fall off at all. Uh, they brought back the entire team, not just the offense, but the defense as well. And if anything, you have to think that He's going to get better because he had no offseason. He had no preseason, and this was a new team. It's easy to say that Tom Brady's a veteran and he just steps in and does what he does, but you're talking about a completely new team. You have to build chemistry with your wide receivers. You have to understand the playbook. You have to understand the way that these wide receivers are running their route, where your protections are and everything. It's a lot. So the fact that Brady's going into year two and trying to run it back with the same squad, that's why ESPN has him bumped up four spots. I think he finished around 10th last year, so they have him at 6th this year, and uh, I think that's a fair assessment. So the next one you have is interesting. Everyone's probably listening to the list going, where the fuck is Aaron Rodgers? Well, he's right here at 7, and this is very telling because Rodgers finished, I think, 3rd last year, and... Why would he drop to seven? I think that they may be 50-50 on whether or not Aaron Rodgers is still going to be there. I mean, my money at this point says that he is. I don't know that he's going to really push them to just like, like he's going to sit out, sit out, and he's not going to play, and that's it, trade me or I'm done. Um... I would be fascinated to see, but even the thought that it's a possibility, I think is what affects Rodgers dropping to number seven on their list. Because, I mean, the idea that he's going to regress, why? He had an MVP caliber season. You brought back his weapons. Like, I, I don't... I don't see the drop-off if he's still there in Green Bay. Another year in LaFleur's system, like... And... If people are saying, you know, well, he's he's upset with the organization, so maybe that affects his play, I think that would make him play better. I think he's kind of pissed off enough that he would just throw for seven touchdowns a game and it wouldn't matter. Um, but that's where they that's where ESPN has Rodgers is, is at seventh. And to me, that feels like they think either he might be on the move or somebody, somebody there would be on the move. Um, but let's talk about number eight. So at number eight, they have Justin Herbert. Now, Herbert was, I think, seventh last year in, uh, 
might have been sixth or seventh in overall points um, or seventh in, in average points per game. But this is this is a good spot for Justin Herbert. I like this spot for Justin Herbert. I think that going into, again, his second year, he's not a rookie anymore. It's fully his team. He'll have the full offseason to take all the number one reps and build some rapport there. I think it's a it's a pretty good spot for Justin Herbert. And at nine, you have Russell Wilson. Now, Wilson last year, obviously, we know set franchise records, and the offense was going ham, but there was a lot of talk about how Pete Carroll supposedly wanted more of a run-first type of offense. All points signed to Russell Wilson still being a Seahawk this year. Now, after this year, I don't know, but at least for now, he is a Seattle Seahawk, and Last year, he finished right around this same position, so I think 9 is also a good position for Wilson. And then at 10, you have Jalen Hurts. Now, this one's really interesting to me. Um, When you go back and you look at average points per game among quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts was right there as like a right around top 10, you know, right around 10th. Uh, with his average points per game last year. So I think that, you know, it's a it's a good spot. It will be interesting to see if he consistently shows that he is that guy, that he can be that guy. We, know, we saw the flashes last year um, in the games that he played. You know, he only had a few full starts, uh, but it's now his team. And more importantly... He has Devonta Smith. So I think having someone that you're familiar with, that Alabama connection, I think that's that's what pushes him from like 12 to like right in inside that top 10. Uh, and obviously we know he can hurt you with his legs as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Jalen Hurts works out for the Eagles. But that's, that's the top 10 projections from ESPN. So again, reading them down again, you have Allen and Mahomes tied for first. And then you have Murray, Prescott, Jackson, Brady, Rodgers, Herbert, Wilson, and Hertz. So the quarterback position is kind of pretty straightforward from ESPN. And now we'll take a look at the running backs. So obviously you know who's going to top the list. At number one, far and away, it's Derrick Henry. 2K King returns this year, and there's no reason to think that he's not going to be um, right up there as, as one of the top running backs in the NFL. Now, the only thing that could possibly hurt him is the fact that Tannehill lost a bunch of weapons this year, and I think that, you know, it may be a little bit more difficult with Arthur Smith gone to see what Tennessee is going to do with pass-catching options. So, obviously, If you get behind in games, it becomes more difficult to stick to the run. So that's the only thing I can see potentially hurting Henry. But other than that, it's it's really, really difficult to stop Derrick Henry. So he is right now slated by ESPN as the number one projected running back. Now at two, they've got Dalvin Cook. Now Dalvin Cook was part of one of the most efficient offenses in football last year and their defense has actually gotten better. So that's something that's going to help him this year. Is Last year, we know how abysmal the Minnesota defense was. It made the team look bad. 
and the team wasn't that bad. The defense was atrocious, but the offense was actually clicking. So it'll be nice to see if they get that defense turned around, what the Minnesota Vikings can do, and I think two is potentially a, a good slot for Dalvin Cook. Now when I say this, it doesn't mean that I would take Dalvin Cook number two. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, but I can see the argument for any any one of these positions unless I say otherwise. So at number three, you have Saquon Barkley. Now we remember, obviously, Saquon was out all of last year, so this is where it kind of becomes difficult to, is he going to have one of those Adrian Peterson first year back after the injury type of situations where he just goes ham, or is he going to be a little bit slow to get back into the thick of things? Obviously, that could affect your fantasy points as a whole, but we know that when Saquon is healthy, he just does scary, magical things, and he's definitely an asset to have on your fantasy squad. So Saquon is at three, and then talk about another running back who missed time last year, and that's CMC. So Christian McCaffrey is at four, and I'm sure a lot of people are screaming, you know, why is he not one? He should be one. Again, once you go through the injuries, that's part of it, and it becomes a, I think, especially for Panthers fans, you have to feel a little bit of a shell shock because it feels like that Greg Olson, you start to get flashbacks. I remember owning Greg Olson, and every time I, I would get him, I'd put him in my lineup, and then he's hurt. He gets taken out of the game. He doesn't play for a few weeks. I get rid of him. He's doing great. He's amazing for two or three weeks. You try to get him back, and then all of a sudden, he's hurt again, and he doesn't play. So it's really tough, and those are one of the things that you have to consider going into the draft. I mean, four is, is still not bad, you know, but that's why you don't put him at one or two with Henry and Cook is that Barkley and CMC have the injury concerns. So right now they have CMC uh, slated at number four, uh, ESPN does, for their running back projections for fantasy this year. Now at number five... They have Jonathan Taylor. Now, this one I find interesting because last year I think he was around seven in points per game for running backs. But you consider the fact that he was a rookie. Uh, originally, Marlon Mack was still there, who had previously been a great running back. It's now his show fully. He's the lead back. But what's interesting to me is they don't seem to think that the change from Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz is going to hinder him in any way, shape, or form. And I think that's because Philip seemed like he was playing it safe last year, which is very un-Philip Rivers. He's usually more of an aggressive quarterback. And I think they feel that they can do more things with Carson Wentz than they could do with Philip Rivers. I thought Philip Rivers played a great year last year, and I wouldn't have been surprised to see him come back this year. Uh, but obviously, that didn't work out that way. And now that the Colts have Carson Wentz at the helm, and that young defensive core is only getting better, I think this is where they see Taylor getting more carries and, and getting more out of that. So that's why they have him bumped up a little bit to the number five spot. Now, at number six, they have Nick Chubb, which Nick Chubb was 
right around that five to six spot last year, depending on which point system you were using. Um, Nick Chubb, we know that Cleveland is going to pound the ball. We know that they can pound the ball. So I think I think this is a really good spot for Nick Chubb. Now, seven gets interesting. So the seventh highest rated running back in fantasy, according to ESPN, based on standard leagues, is Zeke Elliott. Now that's 10 spots higher than his average points per game among running backs was last year. So last year, he was at 17 in average points per game in fantasy, and they have him at 7. Now granted, the offense was abysmal last year, and much of that was due to the Ben DiNucci's of the world and the Andy Dalton's and the just complete, utter falling apart of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that entire team was in the gutter, and when the defense couldn't stop anybody, the offense had to do so much more, and they sure weren't going to stick to the run game when they got down, and things things got really out of control. So I, I definitely understand that there would be an increased value on Zeke this year. But am I expecting him to return completely to form of what we've previously seen out of him? I'm not so sure. I'm really not so sure if Zeke is going to be old Zeke or if he's going to be Le'Veon Bell. And I mean that with all due respect. Um, but that's where ESPN has him. Your seventh ranked overall running back in ESPN standard format format leagues. And when we get to player number eight, this is somebody that I have no problem telling you I would take over Zeke and I wouldn't even hesitate. And that's Alvin Kamara. So Alvin Kamara is sitting at eight and that's four spots lower than where he was last year in average points per game. And I think that he just has too much potential in the passing game to let him out of the top five. Now, I get it. There's a drop-off between Drew Brees, and I understand that. I know that Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston are not Drew Brees, but Kamara is just too dynamic. You're going to figure out a way to work him into the game. Even if you're down by two touchdowns, and you really need to score, you're going to run him on a wheel route. You are going to get him outside somewhere in space where he can do something with the football. He's he's too much of a playmaker. So for that reason, I don't let Kamara slip out of the top five, but ESPN has him at eight, which is very interesting. Now at number nine, you have Cam Akers. Now this one I find very fascinating because there was a lot of talk about Cam Akers when he came out of FSU. Um, Had a lot of explosiveness and was able to make people miss. And we know that uh, Sean McVay loves to run the ball. And we know that the Rams offense has, has made commitments to the run. So much so that they've made Cooper Cup into one of the biggest lead blockers in the NFL. Much to my anger. But I don't know if he's top 10. So here's the thing. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, Malcolm Brown was there last year. There was other people that, you know, now it should be more 
uh, Cam Akers' opportunity to get more carries. But when I went back and I looked at the fantasy numbers, in games where Cam Akers had 10-plus carries in each game, he averaged 9 points per game in those games where he had 10-plus carries. That would be good for 30th among running backs. So even if you only count the games where he was actually given an opportunity to get hot and get more than 10 carries, he would be the 30th running back on average points per game. So for me to put him in my top 10, and that's not to say that he can't be a top 10 running back in fantasy this year, but am I drafting him top 10? I'm not. I'd rather take the guy that ESPN has at 10, and that's Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones is a proven commodity. We know that last year he was top 10. I think he finished sixth overall. And to take someone like Cam Akers over him, I just I don't see it. Now, will the Rams offense overall be better with Matt Stafford? Sure. Might be some growing pains with the new system, but yes, I I understand all that. Um, but I'm not taking Cam Akers over uh, Aaron Jones, and I'm not taking Zeke Elliott over Alvin Kamara. That's just me. But I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Remember, you can always find us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod, and we'll be in a live space this Saturday where you can share all your thoughts with us and... Tell me exactly what you think of my takes. Now, before we get to the next position, I want to do our giveaway. So we do these giveaways from time to time. You know, the more the sponsors are, are hooking us up, the more I try to give you guys signed merch and all kinds of stuff. It's a little bit slow during the off season, but I never want you guys to think that I've forgotten about you. So we have a nice little prize box with all kinds of different things, pop figures, hats, different things. So we are going to give something away right now, and I'm going to tell you who our winner is. We did this selection before the show, and our winner is, let me see here, it is at Cisco Dalton. So at Cisco Dalton, you are the winner that we pulled this week, and you get your pick of anything from our prize box. So DM us, let us know that, you heard that you won, and uh, we'll get some prize out to you as soon as possible. Congrats to Cisco, and thank you for listening and, and being a part of our show. We definitely really appreciate it. So let's get into the wide receivers. Now ESPN, I'm sure it's a surprise to no one, has Tyreek Hill slotted in as their number one fantasy wide receiver this year. They have Tyreek Hill 1. And they have Devontae Adams, too. I think that's... You could argue swapping either one of those guys. 1-2-2-1. That's pretty fair. I'm not going to give much grievance about that. At number three, you have Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs helped me win a championship last year, so I'm absolutely fine at Diggs at number three. I think that's a good assessment. And then at four, you have A.J. Brown. Now, this one's interesting to me because I understand why ESPN put him here, but I don't know if I agree with their assessment. So, A.J. Brown, I think, was sixth last year. Um, 
But here's the thing. Now that Corey Davis and Jonu Smith are gone, it's going to be really interesting to see whether A.J. Brown just all of a sudden slurps up all the catches and all the targets, or if now you double him and the Titans have nobody behind him. I mean, Ferkser at tight end is going to be your next probably uh, best patch pass catcher in Tennessee because who else is catching the ball I mean I pulled up their depth chart at wide receiver the other day half the guys names I couldn't even pronounce and the other half I hadn't heard of um they they have nobody they have nobody behind AJ Brown and when I say nobody understand these are grown men these are professionals that dedicated their life to football like I'm not trying to go shade at anybody but are they anybody i would draft on my fantasy team hell no there's nobody behind aj brown on the titans wide receivers that you would draft on your fantasy team unless you're in like some 32 team super ridiculous league um i just i don't even know but so for that reason i don't know if those guys being gone hurts aj brown or if it helps him Make no mistake, A.J. Brown is stupid talented. Is he my number four wide receiver coming off the board with all that attention that's now going to be given to him, not only by the quarterback, but by the defenses as well? I don't know. Not for me. Not for me. And I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that he goes ham, and I hope that some of those young guys step up for Ryan Tannehill um, because he lost a lot of weapons, which is why I actually suggested this week that if I'm the Titans I'm definitely trying to call and get Julio even though I don't have much room to spend in in cap money or anything like that but if they really thought that way they wouldn't have let the other two guys walk so I understand that's a pipe dream for Titans fans anyways let's look at number five so at number five you've got DK Metcalf obviously Metcalf had a great year last year he was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver uh, they have him bumped up as high as five this year I guess they feel like just another year in the system that the new OC isn't going to hurt the downfield capabilities that Russ and DK are going to have. So they've got him a few spots higher than than where he finished last year on a per game average. But I I mean I I don't hate it, you know. It's 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 fine. DK Metcalf is again stupid talented and you know, it's it, he's a hard man to, to cover and or to bring down. And so, you know, do you, boo-boo. Um, at number six, we've got DeAndre Hopkins. D. Hopkins is one of the most talented wide receivers playing football right now. For my money, he is probably the best wide receiver in the game. I think that you throw the ball up and you just... It doesn't matter how many people are there. You know he's got a chance at it. Look at the Hail Mary that he came down with with all those guys around him. And even before that, you just knew. Like, you throw it up. The guy's got just stupid, stupid good hands. Um, And the fact that he's been able to sit there and have experience with Larry Fitzgerald, one of the best to ever do it, and just learn from him on top of everything he already had in his repertoire. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins' ceiling is only going to continue to go up, and that's why ESPN has him bumped up from 10 to 6 in uh, this year's rankings. So I like it. I mean, I don't 
it's it, it's tough because remember some of these ratings you have to look at you're never rating just the wide receiver you're rating the offense around them you're rating the defense even the entire team how are they going to play how often are you going to have to um push the ball down the field and we know that the cardinals are one of the best rushing teams in football so that's something that they seem to try to stay committed to so that's another reason why I don't know if I put Hopkins at six, not because he's not the best wide receiver in football, but because how much are they going to still try to run the ball or use Kyler's feet or Kyler's going to try to use his feet and take off. Um, So I I can see the rating. I, I definitely understand it. Not sure I necessarily agree with it at six, but he's definitely a top 10 wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, at seven, you have Justin Jefferson, the rookie who just came on the scene and just lit it up last year, went absolutely crazy and was a big part of why the Minnesota Vikings had one of the most efficient offenses last year. This is exactly where he finished last year. So I think this is a great spot for him. Hopefully that defense is a little bit better. Again, as we talked about earlier, if they're not, then that's even better for you as a Justin Jefferson owner. Now, number eight, you have Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley is someone who flies a little bit below the radar. He had one of the best average points per game last year in the NFL. And, you know, I know there was talk before the draft of, are they moving on from Matt Ryan? Is it going to be a whole new rebuild with the new regime that's there? Obviously, it's not, at least not yet. Now, next year, what happens is anybody's guess. But they drafted Kyle Pitts. They didn't take the quarterback replacement of Matt Ryan. They're putting the band back together, and they're going to try to go make a run with the talent that they have there. So having said that, I think Matt Ryan is going to go ham this season and so I definitely agree with Ridley being top eight. I might even put him a little bit higher than that. I'm, I might put him, you know, at six, um, five or six. You know, it's, it's, it's tough because, it, again, you have to look at everything through a systems theory approach. You have, to, you have to look at how every little piece affects everything. But I definitely see Calvin Ridley as a top eight wide receiver in fantasy this year. Um, and then at nine, you have Mike Evans. So Mike Evans, obviously, this is this is a great spot for him. He is top 10. We know that all the Patriots have been brought back this year, so there's, there's no real changeover. There's nothing that should affect him. The only thing that should actually help him is the fact that the Buccaneers have one of the easiest schedules this year. And... You know, for that reason, I I think that this is a good spot for Mike Evans at nine, if not higher. He's another one that I could see definitely at eight, seven, you know, somewhere somewhere right up in there. And then rounding out the top ten, you have Scary Terry McLaurin. So, you know, imagine if he was playing well last year with such inconsistency at quarterback. Imagine what he will do with better quarterback play. And make no mistake, he will get that out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if anything, we know that Ryan is not afraid to sling it. And he will put it 
downfield. And he will throw, he will make aggressive throws, he will put it into tight windows. So I can definitely see uh, McLaurin getting into that top 10, right around that 10 to 12 spot. ESPN has him at 10. And I like it. I, I think it's a, it's a good assessment. So that'll bring us to tight ends. Now, no surprises here. We know that the number one tight end is Travis Kelsey, and that's how he finished last year. Through most of the year, he was actually even leading wide receivers um, with yards, and he was just dominating everywhere. So they even like to use him in those tricky little goal line plays where they flip the ball to him and he, he runs it in. There's there's so many opportunities for Travis Kelsey to get points that he is definitely your number one tight end on the board. And at two and three, no real surprises there either. You've got Darren Waller, who has just completely burst onto the scene and been a godsend for the Raiders. And I, I love him. I love everything that this kid's about. And he's just, he's impossible to cover on the field. I mean, there were games last year where I watched where whether you put a cornerback, a safety, whoever you had on them, they could be in perfect position. They were literally in the perfect position. But the ball was thrown up. He high pointed it. And it just, there, there was. There was nothing you could do. The coverage was perfect. The timing of the jump was perfect. Everything was there, and it didn't matter. Darren Waller was going to come down with that football. So I like Darren Waller at two. Kittle at three. Obviously, coming back off the injury, we know that Travis Kittle is someone who could be the next Travis Kelsey. Um, Did I say Travis? You know what I meant. Um, I'm not even drinking today. But anyways, uh, Kittle, Waller, Kelsey, you know, that's your your top three. I don't think you'll get too many arguments from anybody outside of the few people who will mention the player that ESPN has at number four, and that's Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is someone who doesn't get enough credit. He is one of the best fantasy tight ends in football and he goes on these runs, man, where he's outscoring Kelsey, where he's outscoring all these other guys. And then sometimes, unfortunately, what happens to Andrews is no fault of his own. It's just the ineptness of the Baltimore offense at times where they are not leading in a game or they're they're needing to do different things and they just kind of get away from Andrews and they they start trying to throw the ball downfield or they the rest of the team isn't playing well you know whatever the situation is um but I love Mark Andrews and if they can open up the offense a little bit more and spread it out a little more I think that could actually help Andrews a lot but we know that that's a safety blanket for Lamar and I think he'll be top five again this year. Now, here's one that blows my mind. So ESPN has, at the number five spot for tight ends, projected in 2021, Kyle Pitts. Now, this is fascinating to me. And this could be why I see certain wide receivers um, maybe dropped a, you know, a little bit different um is that they think that Kyle Pitts is is going to come in and just 
go ham in the Atlanta Falcons offense. Now, this is interesting to me because remember, the Falcons just traded for Hayden Hurst last year. Now, one thing we know about Arthur Smith is he loves to get his tight ends involved in the game. We know that he will use multiple tight end packages, so we will see both of those guys on the field at the same time. But even if Kyle Pitts becomes just this amazing tight end and is is just taking the league by storm, you're going to completely cut out Hayden Hurst, a young guy that you just traded for. Um, I don't, I just don't see it the same way. And you're telling me he's going to be top five? Um, that's that's interesting to me. I I don't, I just don't know that I see it that way. Like you're you're going to have him getting more points than Gronk. You're going to have him getting more points than a Mike Gusecki or uh, one of those guys. Like, I, I don't know. It's just really, really interesting to me that ESPN has him as the fifth highest uh, slated tight end for fantasy points this year. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope he goes ham and obviously becomes worthy of that number four overall pick. But uh, I definitely would not have him this high. So at number six, ESPN has uh, TJ Hawkinson, and I find that also interesting because Hawkinson last year was, he was top 10. I think he finished actually 10th overall in uh, points for tight end, at least as far as points per game. Um, no, actually, no, he was, he was tied for eighth. He was tied for eighth last year. Um so they think he's going to get a couple spots better this year going from Matt Stafford to Jared Goff and completely new staff. I don't know if I agree with that assessment. And again, it's nothing against TJ Hawkinson. It's a little bit something against Jared Goff and just the situation of, of an entirely new staff. Um, but that's who ESPN has at number six is TJ Hawkinson. And then at number seven, they have Logan Thomas, which I think this is an okay spot for Logan Thomas. Um, I think he finished uh, also tied for eighth last year, and we talked about it. Now that you have consistency at quarterback position with Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is an opportunity to get a lot more points for your pass catchers. So I like Logan Thomas at seven there. At eight, they have Dallas Godert, and I think that that relies on, obviously, the potential they see in Jalen Hurts and what he's going to bring to that offense and make it dynamic. I think he finished 13th last last season, somewhere around there. But obviously, we know the inconsistency at quarterback. We know how that whole situation fell apart. So I I, I don't hate that. Now the one that I that I think is interesting here is the number nine pick. So they have Robert Tunyon. Now I love me some Bob Tunyon. I think he is one of the greatest tight ends that everyone is sleeping on right now from a fantasy perspective. And you look at him last year, his catch rate was just stupid, and his yards of separation at the point of target was leading the NFL. 
I don't know how it was possible. I don't know why, but every single week he had the most yards of separation per target. And I was like, how is nobody covering this guy? The guy scored like four touchdowns in a game. And they're like, oh, yeah, some like backup tight end, you know, whatever. Like, no, like this is the guy. And Aaron Rodgers loves him and he's going to keep throwing it to him. And it's why aren't you covering him? This isn't your kid brother. Go fucking cover somebody. So I think Robert Tunyon has potential to be much higher. I think he could easily be uh, right there around five, six position at tight end. I, I, I like him a lot. And then at uh, at 10, you have Mike Kosicki from the Dolphins. Now, last year, I think Kosicki finished somewhere around 6th in points, so I'm not sure why they have him dropping uh, a few spots, especially with Tua going into his second year, but his first year where he'll actually have OTAs, he'll have preseason, he'll have a full offseason, everything. You know, people forget, and I think it was Travis Wingfield who was saying this on his show, was like, this year, Tua is practicing. Last year, he was rehabbing. Like, it's just a completely different thing. And I know we all know that, and we're all aware of that, but just, like, let that sink in. Like, at this time last year, he was trying to just get used to running and rehabbing his injury he wasn't running plays he wasn't you know going through uh the motions of of being an nfl quarterback like he was just trying to rehab himself so this year he's got that full off season under him and he's gonna go into the season fully ready as as the starting quarterback of the dolphins so you add to the fact the new OCs who, first of all, one of them was a tight ends coach, which is why you saw they drafted another tight end. And maybe that plays something into it. Maybe they feel that uh, with the new tight end, they're going to kind of split those guys up. And obviously we know Smythe is there as well and stuff like that. But I don't think so. I think Gasecki is so much of a weapon that they are going to work him in and I I just I don't see him and and don't get me wrong 10 is not a bad place to be but I would just have him somewhere very similar to where he was last year I think you know five six something like that is is where I would put Gasecki as as far as a tight end but ESPN has him at 10 so a few spots lower and that's the end of their tight ends for the top 10 and then real quick, we'll just talk about some of the defenses. So defenses, is it's very interesting to me. So the number one defense that the ESPN rankings have for 2021 projections and points is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And my only question is, why? Like, but Why? Why, why do you, why? Like, I, I, I think they were, they weren't top five last year in fantasy points. I know that. I think they were six or seven or something. Like, what, what makes you think they are all of a sudden the number one fantasy scoring defense? I 
There's no way. If someone takes the Buccaneers defense number one off the board, like, I just, I, I mean, I like free money, whatever, you know. Guillermo, if you want to take them, feel free. Um, at number two, I think this one's fair. You know, at number two, they have the Ravens. We know that the Ravens are always a top five defense. Defense is one of the hardest things to predict in, in fantasy. I get it. You know, I'm giving ESPN a little bit of shade. But um, the Ravens are, are going to be a formidable force on defense. And it usually translates very well to fantasy points. At number three, they have the Washington football team. Which, guys, you got to get a fucking actual name. I'm getting sick and tired of saying that. Um, but the WFT is rated at number three, a few spots higher than where they were last year. But again, they were top five fantasy defense last year, and now they have consistency at the quarterback play. So that front seven is nasty. You've got so many former first-round picks. They had one of the best pass defenses in the league last year. So I can see Washington at three. It sounds surprising because, again, we want to go, who? Like, they were shit last year. They only made the playoffs because they were in a crappy division. Like, I get that. But remember, fantasy is not real life. It's about fantasy points. How many points is is that defense allowing to opposing offenses? How much are they able to get to the quarterback, get sacks, fumbles, force interceptions, etc.? And Washington is really good at that. So, tied for fourth... ESPN actually has three teams, which I think is a cop-out. You know, two is one thing, but three, come on. Um, So they got three teams tied for fourth, and that is the San Francisco 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I I mean, I, I I could see most of it. The Niners, for me, is a little bit of a question because I get it. Like, the team was decimated in injuries last year, and... Not just your defense, but obviously your quarterback situation, which didn't help out the defense, and I get all that. But you also lost your DC, who I I think a lot of people are just acting like Robert Sala was was no big deal, like he was insignificant, and they're just gonna keep on doing what they were doing before. Like I think you need to respect that guy a little bit more. Not saying that the players obviously didn't do what they needed to do and and make some great plays and and work their ass off, but. I'm very interested to see what the identity of that defense will be now with the new defensive coordinator. So the Niners, the Bills, and the Steelers all tied for fourth place. The Bills are going to be interesting to watch, right? Because they weren't a top five fantasy defense last year. But man, if Rousseau and Basham, if those picks work out, if if that D-line all of a sudden becomes nasty... And you've got an offense who scored more points than the Chiefs last year. That's you're you're talking about. They would quickly, quickly become a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, you know that would be a very hard team to stop. And from a fantasy perspective, if you're putting hella points on the board and your defense can get after people, then that can definitely. I, I can see where that can uh, be beneficial on the fantasy scoreboard. The Steelers, we know, listen, you know, their their thing is that they stop teams from scoring. That's that's their biggest thing. You know, they get some turnovers, but really they just they have one of the best scoring defenses in football. That's why they finished number two in fantasy points last year. Um, I definitely see how you could have them at four. You know, that's, that's not 
an issue there. I'll tell you what is an issue, though. You've got three teams tied for fourth, so in total there's six teams there that you have in your quote top four, but six teams that you think are the best six teams in fantasy for the defense. There isn't a single fucking mention of the Los Angeles Rams. What? The Rams were the number one fantasy defense last year. They were fucking number one. And, oh wait, they just got Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. We talk about the defense potentially hurting the offense and stuff like that. You have to flip that the other way around as well and talk about the offense helping or limiting the defense. You're talking about the number one defense last year in fantasy just upgraded at the quarterback position. How the hell are they not in your top six? How are they not in your top six? I mean, for me, the Rams are in that top five. I don't know where. I mean, it's, again, defense is very, very hard year to year in fantasy to predict, which is why they always go in the very last rounds of the draft um, because it's just, it's very difficult and you often end up finding just as decent defenses on the waiver wire after week one or week two but interesting that they don't put the rams on there also no indianapolis colts colts were the third best fantasy defense last year they just added two big nasties on the line quitty pay and deo like why not in your top six i don't know i can't figure it out but that's the way espn sees it You've heard how we see it, but we'd love to hear how you see it. So remember, join us this Saturday, 8 p.m. ES, ESPN, listen to me, 8 p.m. Eastern. We will be live on Twitter Spaces. Obviously, we will put a bunch of information out there leading up to the show, put some reminders out there. If you turn on notifications, you'll be one of the first people to get alerted uh, when we go through all of that stuff. So you can find us on Twitter at Regulators Pod, or always read our stuff and, and check out our things. Even if you don't have Twitter, you can check it out all on uh, regulatorspod.com. And again, I just appreciate you guys joining us. Before I let you go, I did want to get to uh, a fan question that we have. We get a lot of DMs sometimes from people who want us to answer questions on the show, some more than others, especially Mr. Wilson, who usually every week sends us something really good for the show. So his question that I want to answer is, would Green Bay consider Julio Jones to try to appease Aaron Rodgers and ultimately keep him? Well, I understand the idea of the question, and it sounds like it could be a great idea and a slam dunk and something that would make Aaron Rodgers happy. I think my answer is no. So first of all, the Packers have no cap space. They really have nothing to deal with. And what you're talking about with Aaron Rodgers is essentially trying to entice him into a long-term deal, hopefully, where you are going to extend him and pay him massive amounts of money. You're already not in great cap situation. So then to do that, you just brought back Aaron Jones and you've you're going to try to get Julio Jones who has 2 years and 42 million dollars left on his guaranteed money that's something that I 
do not see the Packers doing. Now, would it appease Aaron Rodgers? Would he be appreciative of it? Probably, but do the financials work? I don't necessarily see it working, especially if you're at the same time re-signing Rodgers to a mega deal. And if you're not re-signing Rodgers to a mega deal, then it really doesn't matter in the first place. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a good question, but I don't think it'll happen. I've seen a lot of people from different teams putting it out there. Oh, would Team A consider? I mean, I think everybody's picking up the phone and trying to see what it would take to get them and whether they could kind of work in, in cap space. But I think the realisticness of it being more than just, you know, seeing what's out there is is very small. And I think there's there's very few, few teams. Um, again, I, I, I said I think the Titans should do it, but they don't have a lot of cap space either. So they'd have to get really, really creative. Other than that, Thanks, as always, to all you guys for listening to the show. I definitely really appreciate it. So be sure to find us on the Twitter streets. Talk some shit with us. Have a drink. Plancha. Salud. 